The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And once again, this week is no exception. Today, we're going to talk about letting go. And what is it we need to let go of? Have you guessed it yet? Well, it's fear. Because if you can let go of fear, you can find your own personal freedom. And it's not that easy to do so because we're, uh, we're in the sights, if you will. We're target practice for the media that really sends a lot of negativity towards us. They're reporting the news, but a lot of the news that's being reported really comes to us with a lot of fear embedded in it and a lot of bad, bad news. And it's a big world. There's a lot of bad stuff that goes on, but there's also a lot of good things that go on. And if you can find yourself, if you can be present, if you can live in the present moment, you can insulate yourself to a certain extent from a lot of that fear and that fear purview that permeates our our mass media out there. So we're going to talk to uh, somebody who's gone through the process. His name is Guy Finley. He grew up in a show business family in Southern California. He was in the music business. He was successful. He had all the trappings, a house house in Malibu, horses, friends in the music business. He worked with uh, all types of top talents, uh, Neil Diamond, the Four Seasons, and so many other folks. And he really had made it. And he comes from a show business family. And what he found out was throughout his years, he kept having these epiphanies that the people he he was working with in the business, and when I say the business, I mean the entertainment business, were very uptight, very competitive, very doggy dog. Now, it's not necessarily not like that in other businesses, but it seems like that's all dialed up uh, when you're in the entertainment business. I can tell you that that is true because having worked in the advertising business, where we, you know, the creative is the product. So there's a lot of people working, but there's only so much creative that gets done. In other words, so many commercials that get produced, but there's a lot of bickering, a lot of backstabbing, and a lot of frenemies in the business. And it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough business on Madison Avenue in New York. I was a, you know, I was a madman, if you will, when they still had them, because the advertising business is very different now. But the bottom line is, for Guy Finley, he was in a super competitive business where it really is dog-eat-dog, and he didn't find pleasure from the reason that he got into the business, which was his love of music. So what did he do? He walked away. He met a teacher, and he went, he traveled across Europe and the Far East, and he studied for years, and he came back, and he wrote a book called The Secret of Letting Go, and he wrote 44 other books. This is the seminal book, though. It's an international bestseller, and it's really about Uh, getting right to the heart of our most important personal and social issues. Things like relationships, addiction, stress, peace, happiness, freedom, and the path to living a higher life. He sold over 2 million copies in 28 languages worldwide. Again, 45 books, and he's been all over the media. And now he has a 
nonprofit called the Life of Learning Foundation in Merlin, Oregon. So not only did he walk away from a very profitable career and business, he, uh, and the way he works is he works for a nonprofit now that he created. And he is so generous in the amount of content and teachings that he kind of gives away, if you will. I put in quotes, gives away, but he really shares what he has learned and he's still learning and he's just a really good guy, no pun intended. I found him uh, by way of some of his appearances on other media. My wife, who is like my signal caller, my radar for finding great guests, she said, you've got to interview this guy, Guy Finley. I think you guys are going to connect because you're very much in the same space in terms of your perspective. And she's sent me other guests in the past, and she's been right every time. So I'm like, okay. And I wrote a note to, uh, to Guy Finley on his website, and I got to his uh, wonderful assistant, Barbara, and they got back to me, and they couldn't have been kinder or more generous or more um, uh, receptive in terms of my offer. So this will be the first of what I hope will be a number of conversations that we have with Guy Finley on Guys Guys Radio, because I really think, you know, the name of the show is Guys Guys Radio, and we originally started to really, and we want to, help men live their best lives. And Guy is a real guy. And uh, I say by that, what I mean by that is he's comfortable in his own skin. He's very likable. He's a, he's a dude that guys can identify with. And I think women will like him too because he's very honest and truthful and kind. And I know so many men out there now, they're looking for more. They're not sure where to look. They've been caught in the trappings. And it's understandable. I've been the same way with the career and the money and the power and the, and the toys and the homes and the cars and all of that. And that's great. But at a certain point, you say, is that it? What am I really here for? Who am I? What am I? What do I have to offer? How can I serve humanity? How can I make this a better world? And how can I really make this life, this life that goes by so quickly, have meaning? So I think Guy is an individual, a a self-realization teacher, if you will, who can really help a lot of folks out there. I know he helps a lot of women, but I think he's a really good person for guys to check into his work, his 45 books. Again, we're going to talk about one of the books today called The Secret of Letting Go. And it's all about fear, that fear that we have trapped inside, that fear that we try to fight with every day. And we really need to learn, as Guy will teach us really in our conversation, how to kind of let that go, how to let it go by us, how not to allow fear to dictate the terms and how we live our lives. So Guys Guys Radio, special guest Guy Finley, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about the work he's doing, and I'm very excited and honored that he's here with us. So let's get to the interview. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, the special guest portion of our show, and I'm delighted and honored that I have a very special guest today. His name is Guy Finley. He's the author of over 45 books. His encouraging and accessible message is one of the true bright lights in our world today. His ideas go straight to the heart of our most important personal and social issues, whether it be relationships, addiction, stress, peace, happiness, freedom, and how to lead a higher life, if you will. Guy is the author of over 45 books. We're going to talk about his seminal book, The Secret of Letting Go, today. It's really terrific. And he's got a lot of audio programs. He sold over 2 million copies in 28 languages. 
and he's presented over 5,000 unique self-realization seminars to thousands of students throughout North America and Europe. Over the past 30 years, he's been guest on, on over 700 TV and radio shows and a lot of podcasts, including right here on Guys Guys Radio. He's also the director of the nonprofit Life of Learning Foundation in Merlin, Oregon. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio for the first, and I hope many visits, Guy Finley. How are you, Guy? <laughs> I'm exhausted listening to my own <laughs> obituary. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, listen, we're we're thrilled to have you. And, you know, your book is terrific. And I've seen you all over uh, the Internet, uh, Gaia, and with uh, Lisa Gar on her show and, and other shows. And it's interesting that my wife picked you out. She was she watches Gaia as I do. And she said, you have to have Guy Finley on your show. And she's introduced me to other people who have subsequently become friends, including Bill McKenna who also lives here in Southern California. So as soon as she said that, I know she's got a good radar. And she said, you've got to you've got to meet this guy because you guys are going to connect. So here we are. And I'm thrilled. And, and what I'd like to do today, Guy, is really talk about first, I want to introduce you to my audience, the viewers and listeners, because you have a very unique life story. You grew up in Southern California. You were kind of in an elite company. And your dad was really the precursor of the talk show industry. Yeah. And you made a shift. And I want to get into what happened to you. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up, what that was like, and what triggered your shift into doing the work you're doing today. Well, in a, in a nutshell, uh, I was born into a very successful show business family. Uh, as a result, uh, my best friends as a child were the children of people that no, nobody knows anymore for that matter the arnezes the sinatras the Manellis, the martins but in those days uh, they were the rat pack the, the 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 adults were the rat pack we were the rat pack kids uh and and that was that was what i grew up with robert but i i never from the from the day i, I and i don't know when it was 5 years old 6 years old Something didn't gel. I was actually in the lap of Jane Mansfield riding in the Hollywood Christmas Parade with my father as the honorary sheriff. And while we were waiting in the green room, I, I, and I'm telling you, I wasn't more than six years old. I think well, this something's terribly wrong here. There was so much agitation in the celebrity room, so much fear and anxiety. And I didn't know what it was as a boy, but I knew something was off. And that sense of dissatisfaction that I picked up amongst my father's friends and, and my own dysfunctional family, it just, it caused in me what I call today divine dissatisfaction. I didn't put it in myself, but I was aware of it. And we all have an awareness of a dissatisfaction that most of us spend our whole lives trying to figure out how to fix. But I learned early on, again, that it's not, I didn't put that dissatisfaction in myself, and it's not my job to fix it. And that's basically how I grew up. I grew up in that world. I left that world. I became successful in the music business, writing motion picture music, wrote, worked with Neil Diamond. I mean, across the board, had a home in Malibu. But at the age of about 27 or 28 years old, I realized this wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't going where I wanted to go. And I just quit. And I didn't make the shift. The shift happened because I realized I wasn't going to find what I was looking for in the world I was looking for it in. 
Was there a specific uh, or a couple of, I know you mentioned the uh, um, being in Jane Mansfield's arms and that was kind of a turnoff because I think you mentioned in other shows that she had some, uh, you smelled some alcohol in the vehicle, let's put it that way. I smelled some alcohol. It was was vaporous. And there were so many instances, uh, Robert, honest to God, you could take a whole show talking about what we might call turning points. But each and every one of them was not a moment I wanted. I want that to be clear. It came on the heels of a moment that I thought I wanted and then found out that somehow or other I had become attached and identified with it so thoroughly that the smallest shift in the wind produced it a tremendous amount of pain. And I couldn't I couldn't correspond the pain with the pleasure. There was no way I could understand why suddenly uh, we signed with Wolfman Jack, another name nobody mm-hmm. knows. Back in the day, XPRS on the south part of the border. Yep. He, he, Bob Smith, who was a good friend of mine, signed to his production company, produced by the producer of Iron uh, Butterfly, on our way. And then the Mexican government uh, annexes XPRS. And one minute we're riding high, next minute, somehow or other, the Mexican government has interfered with my happiness. How is that possible? You know, so the shock and the shock and shock. And one day I wanted to understand what's going on. Did, did you find, Guy, that this was across the board in terms of um, the the elite company you ran in and who was kind of running the music business in Hollywood? Were, were any of the talents that you worked with um, kind of outside of that and kind of just doing their thing? Or was everybody kind of touched by what was going on at, by the powers that be in that industry? I met some wonderful people. I worked with wonderful people. Uh, Bob Gaudio wrote and produced most of the Four Seasons stuff. Right, was one of the Four Seasons. I mean, I, I had, I had wonderful friends in the business, but they were all, as Thoreau would said, leading lives of secret desperation, and that was so evident to me. I didn't know what to do about it in the day, but it, gradually, as I was willing to explore what it was that was causing this constant dissatisfaction. I began to realize that you can't have, you can't be identified with a desire of any kind without suffering that desire. It's impossible. I didn't know it back then. I'm just really getting clear on it now that these things that we are identified with that give us our sense of self belong to a set of conditions that never stop changing. We believe we can control the conditions, but we can't. What we control is what we believe our experience of the moment by constantly adapting and reconfiguring and trying to work out, how do I get back to square one? I don't want to go back to square one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm tired of that square, of that level of being, period. And that's when it gets clear, as it does to everybody, eventually you can't miss it. This doesn't go anywhere except mm-hmm. back to the starting line, another starting gun. I'm running again. One day you don't want to run. Did you find that uh, any of the folks that you worked with in the business were aware of this and they just kind of like tucked it in and say, I just got to keep going? Or was was this something that was subconscious, um, kind of ego, f- small self driven that get, kept them pushing? even though they might not be happy. And were some of these people really content and say, okay, this is how it is. I, I love the grind. Look, they say ignorance is bliss. But the problem with ignorance is it leads to death. 
meaning it leads to the end of the development of the human being's possibility. It's through awakening to this this ignorance that belongs to this consciousness that a person begins to transcend the consciousness and discover something beyond this daily desperation. You asked me, what, what, what was the prevalent state? It was an unconscious desperation. And all desperation is the byproduct of fear. And we live with fear without knowing it because fear promises us the end of itself if we just jump through the next hoop. Mm -hmm. Everybody senses this to some extent. The question is, at what point do I say, I'm out of the circus, I'm not doing that anymore? And it's a beautiful, unending journey, Robert. Every day, every day, I spend hours contemplating, working through this growing understanding that this fear that we live with of the end of something, the end of my career, the end of my life, the end of my money, the end of my security, that 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 unending fear never ends because we're always resisting what we think is the end. And what if a person understands there is no end the way it's imagined, but every imagined end ends terribly? I I, I want to get into um, the book and more about fear. But for yourself, though, when you made the shift, what you just described, do you go through that still now in your new field that you're in? There's no day that doesn't have the challenges of being a human being. That's the beauty of the truth, is that it literally is an endless process of exploration, discovery, realization and release and then you are in the next place to understand that consciousness more thoroughly the end being at the same time that all of that is still going on the awareness of that that i am aware of this consciousness i am no longer a captive of it that's if you want to call the world word enlightenment or illumination it is when awareness of consciousness transcends the captivity inherent in being identified with its content. It's, it sounds to me, we're, we're going to drill into fear a little bit here because I think the book Letting Go is really about letting go fear. It seems like it's like there's a ferocious dog and a ferocious dog comes at you and you realize at a certain point that the, the dog is really just a hologram of what you expect it might be. And if you stop there and just let it go, it might stop and not bite you if you will but it's that ferocious dog is everything that we we see and face and experience every day because we allow it to be there even though it's really not real well i wouldn't say we allow it because if we knew we were allowing it it wouldn't go on mm-hmm. it is part of a mechanical operation of an unconscious mind that forever imagines some security and the moment it's imagined and i'm identified with that I'm immediately subject to the fear of any condition that challenges what I've imagined. It's built into a sleeping nature. So the task isn't to try to change the world we see, but to awaken from the world that we're busy creating in our own image and then wondering why everything goes south. Because Mm -hmm. we're not meant to create the world in our own image. We're given the gift of being creators. It's magnificent. But we are creations before we are creators. We are creations before we are creators. And until we have that relationship right, everything we create, we believe is me, what I have to have and need. 
And then because of that identification, I'll always suffer when the conditions change, which they always do in passing time. So if we're in a world where we're surrounded by this, basically everybody, including us, we're experiencing this as part of our purview all the time, and it's in the collective consciousness. If one person's working on themselves to identify the true self, to peel away the layers, so we're more connected to source, if you will, that all mm. the stuff that's in the way, it you know, it's like it's this jigsaw puzzle that isn't put together that's very virtuosic. And really what we want is a clear path to source so we can get the information we need to live our best lives. But if we are living in a situation where everybody is is has a different level of this type of chaos going on, what's the individual to do to be able to navigate that and take care of their loved ones as well as identify their true self and live their best life? Isn't that the question of the ages? <laughs> well. Because, Robert, we all, God help us, we all believe that we know what happiness and security is. See, it isn't, this world uh, is not responsible for this consciousness. This consciousness has created the world that we see and walk through, not physically. Nature has done a divine, beautiful job. If you're ever actually quiet in nature, you understand that peace is built right into the chaos. It, it's inseparable. But we live in a constant chaos born of trying to create for ourselves what this consciousness has imagined it needs to be safe. But what if it isn't a question of peeling away everything that's in the way of the source? What if the question is recognizing that the only thing in the way of being in contact with this cup that overflows is a consciousness that believes it knows what the cup should be filled with? And therefore, it fears anything that's not part of that cup or that looks like it's being drained from it or mm -hmm. stolen from it. And then I know who my enemies are. All of that is a context created by a sleeping mind. There is no problem that isn't um, uh, reconciled in awakening. But the problem with awakening is it's always a shock to the self that's identified with what it believes it knows is good. You actually have to, awakening is actually the realization, good God, I always thought I knew what was good. I watched dad smearing everybody, you know, people throwing themselves at him, best table, all the restaurants, phone wait, I mean, all that stuff. That, when I grew up, that's what I want to be. And then you realize, but wait a minute, my father, God bless his soul, he's a wreck. My mother is a wreck. In fact, I didn't grow up with anybody that wasn't a wreck, mostly hidden. But in the bottle, in the drug, in the in the dysfunctional uh, fear and anger, and then you well, is that the world? It is for most, but for some of us. And now I'm sorry to take so long to answer your no, question. No, 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 no. Did I put in myself, assuming those who are listening to us understand, we're talking about a good that has no opposite, a love that doesn't turn into hatred. Did I put that in myself? Or was I born with it? And the answer is, we're born with it. As it says, made in the image of God. I'm born with it. So I didn't show myself what this intelligence wanted me to see. I fought with it tooth and nail, because it didn't match what I thought was supposed to be life. But at some point, you can't argue with that. And then, to your answer now, you realize that if I will allow 
that which has shown me what is intelligent to continue to uh, to separate me from what is not intelligent, then how can it lead me to anything other than peace, fulfillment, security, happiness? Now, it may not be being able to live. And this, everybody has to go through this. I mean, what's the least wanted thing that Jesus Christ ever said to anybody, Jew, Christian, Hindu, Muslim alike, the least wanted thing, sell all and follow me. I remember when I heard that, I said, oh, sure. What does that mean, sell all and follow me? And of course, nobody understands. It doesn't mean necessarily get rid of possession. It means get free of being identified with possessions. Because the only captivity is our identification. Not the, not the conditions, but the identification with them. That all sorts itself out as, the, as this understanding matures in a human being. Okay. I'm loving this conversation. It's Robert Manny, Guys Guys Radio. My special guest is Guy Finley, uh, who is just a wonderful self-realization teacher and messenger. Um, when you uh, made the move then to kind of leave Hollywood, leave the music business, where do, you were influenced by Vernon Howard. Tell us about how you decided what to do because you realized you weren't being fulfilled from the work that you had. At some point, you met Vernon Howard. You went off, you left the country, and you went around the world. Tell us a little bit about that, you know, your kind of quote unquote missing years, if you will, because that's really how you made the kind of turn into becoming who you are now. And I think our audience would be curious as to like, well, what do I do? And so yeah. tell us what you did, Guy. Oh, gosh. You know, I, I desperately want to answer everything. First, the shift never stops. Because the question is a living question. It's with us every day. We're just not present to it. The question goes away the minute I'm identified with an answer. Go here, do this, get more of that, get rid of that. Immediately the question is gone. The ultimate question, it never stops, is who am I? What am I here for? What's my purpose on this planet? Mm -hmm. And if I become successful in this world and then I realize, short first part, I was successful in music business. Had a home in Malibu, tennis court, horses, blah, blah, blah. And then one day I'm sitting at the piano composing music and I realize, I have to do this. I started out loving music. I still love music. But my, my love of music got turned into dependency upon income from music. So suddenly I'm a slave of the very thing that I love. And I'm thinking to myself, how is that possible? I can remember banging my head on the piano in tears, realizing that I'd been caught in this crucible that I didn't understand. Sort of like the, the hero in the labyrinth headed towards the monitor. What, what, what is this about? Why, what am I stuck in? So that moment didn't clear everything up. What it did was make clear what I could no longer do. I couldn't serve what had made what I had become a slave of. And it wasn't the music business that I had become subservient to. It was my love of being recognized as a successful human being, my love of living in a home that showed I had accomplished things. And it was so evident that in spite of all those things, what does it profit a man to have gained the whole world and lost his soul? And I was actually sitting at that point where I realized that's what these teachers are talking about. So I quit. 
It wasn't all at once, but I began as one does when you when when the love of something begins to vanish, so does the time you give to it. And as that happened, then people start pressing me. <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? And I, what are you going to say to them? I can't. I, I couldn't. So at some point, it was clear cut. I decided I was going to go overseas. I had read some books. I wanted to see if anybody over there could uh, resolve the disparity that I was experiencing. So I spent time traveling around there, uh, throwing myself at people's feet, um, dusting my forehead, <laughs> just everything an aspirant does, hoping that some kind of shakti pot, someone's going to open me up with a touch, you know. And of course, there are there are men there, women, I suppose, I didn't see any, um, who have Sita, who has power. But they're as, they're as much a mess as everybody else. They're, as, they're still a captive of the conditions that that has produced for them. Now they need disciples. So bottom line, I came home realizing that I did not find what I was looking for. And yet, one more piece of the puzzle was clear. And that was that I didn't know what I was looking for. And I wasn't going to find it as long as I was sure I did. And with God as my witness, that was the, the, the almost two nights after I got back, I went uh, to say goodbye to this, uh, I won't say his name, to a very successful sadhu, a guru, that I had been helping because I was deeply involved in that world. And when I left, this guy who I had no, didn't care for at all, he was a, kind of a vampire, um, spiritually speaking, ran out and said, you got to go hear this guy, Vernon Howard. He's got power. That's what he, this guy was into, power. I said, no. And he said, here, he's going to be speaking at this place. Put a piece of paper in my hand. I looked at it, said something about Hollywood Boulevard, 9 a.m. He left, and I crumpled it up and threw it in the gutter. The next morning, I, I'm engaged. I wake up in my bed in Malibu. I say to my, uh, my engaged, the person I was engaged to, I say, I got to go. Where are you going? I don't know. Somewhere in Hollywood. <laughs> God is my witness. I got in my car. I drove to Hollywood. I drove up and down Hollywood Boulevard looking for a place with a lot of cars, a church, pulled into one finally, and Vernon was talking there. And I walked up after he finished speaking, which I didn't like anything he said. <laughs> uh, I didn't, didn't, didn't care for him at all, but I thought he would look at me and go, well, now, my, my, you know, now, now he's here. Because I'd been on the path since I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. He looked at me with these, he had a very piercing blue eyes. He looked at me and said, I know all about you. That was all he said. I know all about you. Now, I thought he was saying something good. <laughs> but what he was saying is, I've been you. I know what you're doing. It's a waste of time. But he didn't say any of those words. And for, I, then I spent 14 years, almost the weekend after that, driving to Boulder City from Southern California to go listen to this man who nobody liked except for a few people who understood he wasn't lying about life. And, and that's, that's how I met VH, uh, to my eternal gratitude to someone who, without, I, without him drilling down on these negative states, I don't know that I would ever understand them. What, what, um, why didn't people like him, and what was his core message? Well, the same message as every true teacher. You're asleep. You're dreaming yourself into existence. Your life is basically a wreck. Wake up and see it is. Stop lying to yourself 
and see what happens if you stop lying to yourself. Not affirmation. Affirmation is just the flip side of negation. Why does a person have to affirm their life? Because they fear they're not what they imagine themselves to be. So it's the end of that unconscious affirmation that our culture never stops providing. And when one finally starts to give up a little bit of that, everything that was lying underneath there begins to uh, reveal itself. Mm-hmm. It comes up by itself. It's already there. It's just blanketed down, buffered. Guy, what do you think um, is going on in the world right now? Everybody says, uh, you know, we're, we're in a state of chaos and a lot of crazy things could happen, yet it's, it's going to be all okay. This is a great awakening, moving to the 5D, all of that kind of stuff. What, what's your take on the state of things like right now, because a lot of people are saying this right now, and I say this on April, uh, early April, what's happening? What's your take on it? Well, that's a big one, Robert. In one respect, I don't think things have ever been darker in this particular age, but it is the advent of that darkness from out of which a light that dwells in that darkness is brought forward. So you have this effect Mm -hmm. two completely different directions but to understand no elevator goes down that there isn't an up a force generated upward so that the and it's always been this way in the work the worse things are the more opportunity there is to grow why because what are you leaving behind other than you're 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 realizing that what i thought was going to do this it's not going to do it and that's why the kids god help them the drug and the and the suicide rate and all of the horrible machinations born of the collapsing ideal of a dream where a person derives security and happiness by getting theirs in this world. And there's just nothing to get anymore. And now instead of real morality, there's enforced morality. And where you have enforced morality, you have violence and conflict because you wouldn't have to enforce morality if there weren't inherent chaos. So the thing's just churning on itself. Every civilization collapses in on the weight of itself. But in the energy of that collapse, there is something altogether that's released for those who are capable of receiving it and understanding the the whole of that moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, guys, radio, Robert Manning, your host here. My special guest is the incredible Guy Finley. And I appreciate this conversation because I asked Guy before we got started to have a conversation, yet I am sitting here as a student and I am learning a lot. So thank you. And I hope everybody out there listening and watching is, uh, has the same reaction to Guy's, Guy's work here. So thank you, Guy. Um, let's talk about your book, the seminal book, The Secret of Letting Go. And it is all about fear. What when you came back uh, to the states, and then you met Vernon, and you started kind of walking the walk, if you will. When did you decide I'm going to write a book, and this is the book? This is what I want to write about. And how did that process go? Well, I worked with Mr. Howard until he died. I had 14 wonderful years with him. I became uh, an, an assistant director there. I, I basically ran the Realization Center in California for him. And it was about uh, maybe two years before he died. He he was not uh, VH was he was not the epitome outwardly of warmth. He was he was very very much the Zen master in some respect. He's likely to hit you with a psychological two mm-hmm. by four as he would. He's not mm-hmm. a hugger. <laughs> he wasn't a he wasn't a hugger. <laughs> 
And he, he one day he said to me, I want you I want you to write a book. I said, well, I don't know how to write a book. He said, you'll figure it out. Write a book. And that's literally how I started. VH told me, write a book. So I started writing a book, and I worked on it, and he kind of helped my writing skills a little bit. And then one night, uh, up on a hill, quietly sitting someplace, the title came to me, and I realized that's the perfect title. And that's how that and it really wasn't my first book, Robert. I wrote a book on herbal pet care. I wrote a little book on success with, I, you know, I wrote, I was uh, interested in so many different things growing up. The secret of letting go. The whole of life, that's what life is. You, if you, I like to say that you can find it in the common, the celestial. You know, the saying of the hermetic, as above, so below, as within, so without. In the common is hidden the celestial. I'm quite a student of natural life. I live on a mountain here in a small home in Southern Oregon, surrounded by the, the animals that I've become friends with. I every day go out and feed, and feed most of them. And every last one of them, every blade of grass, there's not a tree, winter, spring, summer, or fall. You can't find anything that isn't in an endless process of letting go. Because here comes the force, the will, the word, call it what you will, active. And it touches what is passive in the creature. When the active touches what is passive in the creature, the creature has to respond through a natural form of resistance. And then out of that resistance, a new conception. So that everything is letting go, letting go, letting go. And in the end, as Christ tried to teach, that nothing dies. Nothing dies. But the idea of that doesn't do me any good. I have to actually be in the world where I am a participant in that endless rebirth that cannot be separated from endless death. We don't want to come to the end of ourselves, Robert. You asked me, am I still working? Vernon, one time somebody said, Mr. Howard, where are you on the, on the hill? He said, I don't know where I am on the mountain. Too busy climbing. There's, there's just this beautiful, infinite set of realizations that aren't about the world, but about the world of myself that is the world. I mean, literally, it is unending to realize that there is no point at which you cannot discover something new and miraculous about your own consciousness. That's when life gets really interesting. Because now it doesn't matter where you are. People like you. They don't like you. People celebrate you. They hate you. It makes no difference to you at all. Because every last one of those moments is literally a separating of the wheat from the chaff. A new revelation, a new release, a new letting go. And with each letting go, a rising, with each rising, the possibility of another level of realization. It is just like that. You know, it's interesting. The book, uh, to me, I was reading it and it was like, this could be five different books. You have so much information in there. There's so much great storytelling and par parables, if you will, in there about letting go. And it all comes down to, seems like we're letting go of, of fear. That's the main thing. Don't resist it. Let it, let things happen. Recognize it. Be aware of yourself and uh, just keep going. Uh, if I'm, See, but, if, correct me. But Yeah, well, not correct. Just in, okay. in, enhance, enlarge. Okay. You, there is no fear without identification. Period. What do I fear? What I think is germane to my existence. Anything that threatens my whatever it is, who I love, what I've got, where I'm going, my plan. 
So letting go is an inside job, not trying to deal with the condition, but the consciousness has become dependent on that condition. So fear only exists to the extent of my attachment and my dependency. This is Buddha's Four Noble Truths. And to the extent that I understand that, then I'm willing to start exploring these moments where instead of trying to protect myself, I realize it's not myself I'm trying to protect at all. Who I am, my, this nature, the true nature, doesn't need to be protected from anything. That's insane. Does the sun need to be protected from a cloud, a shadow that passes through the air? Not at all. But we live in a world where we believe every one of these passing clouds, these moments, are an interruption in the desires we have to make ourselves complete. So the journey is realizing that this idea of what it is to be complete is the source of our pain. And dying to the idea of what it is to be complete allows us to be completed by every moment that has come for that purpose to show us it's done. It's done. It's done. <laughs> See, that's the problem with words. I could go, it's done, it's done, it's done, it's done. You know? <laughs> do, you, do you feel that um, this is inherent in the human condition, and that's part of why we, we have to go through this? This is part of who we are, and that's kind of the quote-unquote challenge, for lack of a better word there, and that's, that's part of life. And um, it's just how, yes. how, how do we manage this process, if you will, without confronting it, by allowing it, identifying and allowing i find a lot of uh self-hypnosis in the book tips uh, also some of the tenets of ho'oponopono in it i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you just a there's a lot of allowing that's inherent in the book in terms of how we deal with fear please elaborate on that and also share with us what has been your greatest challenge in your personal growth There is no one on this planet like Robert, like Guy, like any one of the listeners. But that doesn't make us special because we think to ourselves, there's no one like me. Because there's no one that we hate more than ourselves when we're not like what we think we should be. <laughs> there's no one like you or me because when we came into this world, we came in as a collection of very specific essence, very specific aspects of possibilities, so that the fulfillment of our life is recognizing that these individual possibilities have a purpose. Our purpose is to allow them to be fulfilled. That doesn't mean I make them fulfilled. It means I have to understand that if I'm brought into this world with the possibility of an endless understanding, the only thing that's in the way is my understanding. And that drives people crazy. I, Robert, I, with God as my witness, I, I, sometimes I speak of this when I'm talking. I get it. I know that I drive people insane because I used to be driven insane myself when I would go hang out with, like I knew Krishnamurti. I, I went, I, there were men, true awakened men, human beings, by the grace of God, I got to spend time with. I was the youngest, I was the, a, a good friend and disciple of the oldest living disciple of Yogananda back in the day. So I had wonderful influences around me all the time. And they would say certain things and I'd go, come on, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> right? But if I can feel it, then I can center myself in the wish to understand it. 
One time, Vernon Howard said to a small group of people, do you know how the wise man became wise? And of course, we all sat up on the edge of our seats, hunger, hungry for anything that might nourish the soul, if, you, if we were true there. And we all looked, and he said, the wise man became wise because he stopped answering his own questions. I love it. Mm. And, and that's the work. Okay. Because right. I ask questions predicated on what does that mean to who I think I am. And one day I have to realize the moment that, that that whole thing is challenged is the real question. And if I allow the real question to remain present to myself, then by the fact that the nature of the question exists, the answer exists as well, but I can't give it to myself. It is found within the question. Rumi said the antidote is in the venom. Well, that's what he was talking about. Everything that I need to heal is within everything that I'm running from because of the pain. Because I believe the pain is real because I'm identified with the process of believing that's who I am. So you can see we make these grand circles at some point a person says, you know what? I think I'm going to stop. <laughs> I think I'm going to stop. And that's a perfect place for us to uh, wind up this first episode of Guys Guys Radio with my special guest, Guy Finley. Here's the book, The Secret of Letting Go, the seminal book. He's already he's, He also has 44 other books. And I know you have some events coming up. You've got a talk in the Pines, June 23rd to 25th. Uh, life at learning. Um, tell us anything you want to know. Uh, we want to know about uh, upcoming events. Well, ever so quickly, I, I speak online three times a week for free, nothing to join. And you can find out about that at guyfinley.org forward slash let go. Guyfinley.org forward slash let go. Everyone's invited. I have open dialogue after I present new material every time, three times a week. Four times a year, we have a special event. This June, we call it the Talks in the Pines. I'll be speaking over a three-day period, four talks, and there'll be a wonderful meal, a banquet, lots of good men and women sitting around wanting to understand what we're talking about. And you, Robert, are invited to be my Thank guest. You. Thank you. Thank <laughs> and you go and to guyfindley.org forward slash events. GuyFinley.org forward slash events. And if you just want to know more, just go to GuyFinley.org or search me out online. My website has 10 years minimum of free listening and writing. Just if one last comment, Robert and I are sitting here acknowledging that this is pretty good stuff, but now I must act on the knowledge. Acknowledging is no good without acting on the knowledge. That's what we have to do if we want to learn the truth that sets us free. Perfect. Good, perfect punctuation at the end. Thank you so much, Guy. Even though we're just at the beginning, I hope we do it again. And thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. You're really helping out a lot of people, including myself. You bet. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, what a fantastic, hopefully, first conversation of many with uh, Guy Finley. The amazing self-realization teacher who has his nonprofit called the um, Life of Learning Foundation, centered in Merlin, Oregon. He also does a number of things on social media, and he gives away a ton of content. 
So if you're on social media, just look up Guy Finley and go to his website. He's got a lot of fantastic information. It was a great opening conversation. We really just touched on his book, his seminal book, one of 45 books. It's called The Secret of Letting Go. It's the revised and expanded edition. So he's updated it since when he originally wrote it a couple of decades ago. But it's really right on information to help us and help guys really cope with fear and that fear that permeates the media and the fear that permeates our culture and society and also men. And uh, I I think it's an important read. As I mentioned during our conversation, I think the book could have been broken into five, five different books. There's so much in there. And it's all about different ways of kind of harnessing and not conflicting with fear, but getting it under control and letting it kind of just slide by you. Because if you let fear start to permeate your essence and start to dictate the choices and decisions you make each and every day, you're going to run to, into problems because all fear and all power and all ego wants are more, 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 more. And you'll get yourself in a position where you just can't win because you can't have enough. And it's really all about learning to be present, learning to live in the present moment, letting the past go not worrying about the future, it's not here yet, and focusing on the here and now. And that doesn't mean just doing foolish things because, oh, all that matters is this very second. Of course, there's ramifications for whatever you do. There's choices to whatever we do. But you don't want to let fear drive your choices. That's the point. You want to recognize fear, and you want to say, I see you, but you don't want to let fear dictate the choices you're going to make. So you don't fight it, You just recognize it and say, I got you, and let it kind of flow by and just do your thing. I know that sounds simple, but maybe it's not as complicated as it seems to be sometimes. So check out Guy's book. There's a lot more to it. I'm going to invite Guy back on the show, and I think we'll have a lot more conversations about fear, about letting go, about how we manage our ego and and our unhappy thoughts and feelings and how we break free from all of those shackles that we create. We put ourselves in these own like private prisons and how to break out and really enjoy life. That's what it's all about. We're here to help men and women live their best lives. So I like to bring people like Guy on who are so generous in spirit, so generous in the content they put out there and have such a positive message and some practical ways of dealing with our crazy, chaotic world out there. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening in prime time on KCAA Radio here in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. The podcast, YouTube, and Rumble host worldwide every Thursday. Oh, by the way, the KCA broadcast is also, you can listen live, stream, or download, and also is rebroadcast every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. And on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, you can catch Guys Guys Radio on UK Health Radio, which is an internet-based digital radio station that's considered the world's largest health talk radio station in the world. It's relatively new. It's growing rapidly. It's based in the UK. I've been honored to be asked to be part of the team, and I love working with them. I'm also writing articles for their Health Triangle magazine. It's a digital magazine. It comes out every month. I've written three on um, the choices we make about aging. And I've got another one coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. So keep track of that. 
And also you can find a lot more of my content that I give away on my website, robertmanni.com. I've got over 300 blog posts. The latest one is uh, part one of the uh, Aging as a Choice series. And um, we cover everything. Life, love, the pursuit of happiness, relationships, dating, health, sex, money, friendship, career, wellness, spirituality, lots of stuff on there. So I want to give a shout out to uh, my wonderful producer, Chris, who just does an amazing job and is always there for me, always has my back as well as my strategy and web guru, Ryan. And you guys are really wonderful and just great partners. So thank you so much. And I want to thank all those 750 thought leaders and that I've interviewed already and all the people I've got lined up coming to Guys Guys Radio in the near future. We've got so many great shows coming up. I'm super excited about it. And most of all, I want to thank you out there, my wonderful listeners and followers and supporters, because, you know, we started the show just with an idea. And it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing, and people have nothing but wonderful things to say about the work we're doing, because we're doing our very best to help and be, bring out guests that have some information that you might relate to and you might be interested in. And it's as simple as that. That's what we do here on Guys Guys Radio, the place where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. So Guys Guys Radio, I'm going to see you again next week. And until then, well, thank you, and like I always like to say... Guys, guys, finish first.